0: This a whole this a whole nother room? Alright, cool. Edward. Cool. I am I'm in the right room now, right? <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're in your room, <laughs> <so> yeah. <laughs> I was in there by myself hanging out, like what's going on?
1: <laughs> well, welcome, Eddie. Welcome to your uh, to your room. Alright. Uh, you I didn't really go into all of the intros that you normally do, but I guess we, we can and then just get, uh, get right into it.
0: Okay, well, welcome everyone. This is the Lawyers for Musicians podcast. We are on episode 23. This is probably like our second episode that we've done on Clubhouse. So this is a live recording. We have my man Don Julio in here holding us down. So we stay that by saying if you're coming up with any Q&A, uh, your question may end up on Spotify title, Amazon music or Google. So just letting you know that we do record our podcast here on, on Clubhouse and then put it out on Spotify. So just in case you miss anything, you can pick it up there as well. Um, we got to shout out for the uh, shout outs to Josh and these Grammy nods before we even get into anything. Thanks, Eddie. I, uh, I really cool. put
1: my heart and soul into my uh, opera performance in 2020, and it's nice to be recognized by the uh, committee.
0: Well, for those that don't know, Josh uh, manages Doja Cat, and Doja Cat received three Grammy nods, right? Yeah. Two for the Say So record, and then she's up for Best Artist, Best New Artist. Correct, yeah. Best
1: oh. New Artist um, would be great. She's won... Uh, Best New Artist at the MTV, VMAs, the European uh, Music Awards, and the American Music Awards. So we're going for a sweep. Um, But competition is tough in all the categories that she's in.
0: Yeah, so I did see her acceptance speech. Uh, Was it the AMAs when she did her little new song and she shouted out everybody in the group? (laughs) She did, yeah. Can we now refer to you as Ann Josh? (laughs) that's fine
1: yeah one of my buddies said that uh every josh in the world is now claiming that they were in her acceptance speech which is fine with me um but uh no it's been exciting and it's like you know it's crazy to think how far uh we've come from releasing her first album amala to now you know hot pink and her sort of on the cusp of being this major um major superstar so it's been it's been uh, eye opening for sure, um, and Definitely. lots of challenges along the way. But like uh, anything, you know, if you work hard, hopefully something good comes from it.
0: Awesome. So I think this is going to help segue into our topic, Okay. team building series. Because yeah, you were with um, you were with Amala. Uh, we would say at the earlier stages of career. You were there when it was important to put in different key components or different players around her to make her stronger. Um, so I think it's important to shine light on how to build your team within the industry. Um, if anyone hasn't checked out our podcast before, episode 20 and episode 21 touches on looking for management and looking for legal representation. Um, so now we're building the rest of our team
1: first um team building one we did we focused on really what the artist him or herself should be doing and in your flow chart that i think you're about to uh share with the group that the artist is the ceo and needs to be the one in charge of the overall team that they put together it can't be seen as the artist falls underneath the manager or anybody else it really is the the artist ship to to sale so we went over that, then we went over, like you said, Eddie, we went over who the manager should be, when to pick a manager, when to pick a lawyer. Um, and in the past we've had um Nick Judd, who appears to be in the room as well. Shout out, Nick, um, as a business manager to talk about when, you know, when and if you actually need a business manager. So today you wanted to focus on which aspect, Eddie?
0: So we're looking at that that bottom row, a few PTR reports refresh. You can see I've changed my avatar to that chart. So like you were saying up top, we have the artist. He is the CEO of the company. Underneath him is his manager. We consider him the executive VP because he's going to oversee these six departments that we speak about today. Next to the manager, we have business manager and legal. One taking care of business affairs, other taking care of legal affairs. So in that that bottom row, we have artist development is the first one. Um, Even though that's at the bottom of the chart, when we're talking about artist development, this is our focus in on the producer and the engineer, the person that's going to help create the sound and shape the sound of the artist. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes, people go out just looking for beats and searching for beats. I think it's more important to lock in with a team when it comes to your production sound. Um, we can yeah. use an example of Doja with, with how Yeti works. He may not produce everything for her, but he is around to help make sure her sound stays consistent.
1: Right. And serve sort of as an executive producer. Um, and I mean, this, this gets away really from the way I approach things as a manager and a lawyer. Like I I am not a creative. Um, and so um, I can make introductions to producers and I can use common sense to be like, all right, well, this guy who produces for this artist might be a good match for, for you since you, you make similar music. Um, but in my experience, most of the artists are coming with that idea or that sound already and are already working with someone, um, on, you know, on, on future music as well. So, you know, I I think under artist development, the way that I was looking at it, Eddie, I was thinking more like you're talking about an A&R type person, but it makes, it makes sense that you need sort of a musical director as part of your initial team.
0: So if, if we're looking at that from, an A&R perspective, and this chart here is for independent artists, what would be a, almost a third-party service for an a Or how I mean, not for an a but what third party could you reach out to to almost act as an A&R for you if you're not with a label?
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> that's a really good question. Right. Yeah, I mean, do I I, I you have something in it mind? Cause, yeah, you seem like that's a leading question. That you no, know, was,
0: I, was, <laughs> I was leading with it, but I was also just the idea popped in my head, like, is there I mean, people say that they're AR, so I guess they're just independently working trying to work records for people. Yeah, like I mean around I, things of that nature. But
1: yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like there's there are services out there, right? So there's something um called Submit Hub that a lot of people know about. And there are other services like that where you pay a platform, uh, upload your music, upload your video, and then you can decide who to send it to. Right. And then whoever Submit Hub sends it to has a certain uh, number of hours to respond to it. And if they respond, they get paid. If they don't respond, they don't get paid. So you put money into it. It's not very expensive. Um, but there are those kind of platforms that essentially are pitching your music, which is what an A and R is doing, depending on what, you know, if you're talking about a label A and R, a publishing A and R, there's different, there's different roles. But if you're purely independent, yeah, you use services like, like that, like Submit Hub to go out and and pitch your music. So that's different than what I was talking about before with the executive producer, who's like really crafting your, your sound. Um, cause I, I feel like people that are coming to us when you're building on a team, they have that sound, you know, they might be able to, you know, perfect it or change it or work with more talented people as they progress, but they already kind of have a sound. That's why they're an artist. Um, So then it comes to once you have that music done, how do you how do you get it out to the most people? And how do you you know, it's part of this overall bottom line that you have here on your on your avatar. Like all of those people, it could all be one company. It could all be one person. It could be
0: seven different people. There's all sorts of different tools to use. Yeah, Um, I think that's what's important about just looking at the chart in general. This may end up being those six roles at the bottom, like you said, one person handling all that, but understanding that you have to compartmentalize these things and understand what their roles are. So as you're building your team out, you can pass these departments on to someone else.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, sales um, sales, marketing, um, PR, social media, like th- that's Typically, when you're an independent, that's typically one person, right? You're you're looking at someone to go out and pitch your release to get premiered on different websites and different social media accounts. Um, that's essentially what PR is: trying to find interviews, trying to find articles, trying to find any sort of shine that you can get. Social media, you're running, you know, the same way we, you know, within. Our organization, we have someone that helps all of the artists that we manage on all of these different things. So we keep it in-house. Um, but that employee has connections to all the different publications. So, you know, there there are different ways of doing it. And Eddie, you can you can speak about like who to hire. If you're if you're going for out outside like third party PR, you know, what to look for in, in that respect.
0: Yeah, I think that's why it's important having a startup because Understanding that public relations and marketing is two different things, like the marketing is the creation of your story, creating that that backstory on like who you are as an artist, and public relations is trying to relay that message. So if you really don't have a message or you don't have a story, essentially, just telling yourself you need PR might not be the right approach. You want to have content and you want to have some type of story behind yourself for them to push. 'Cause most of your write ups, well, all of your write ups that you're gonna get, there's it's more than just the music that they're writing about. So you have to have something there. Um if Audible Treats is one that we used to work with, uh, I think they're awesome as far as like a third party PR firm. Um and understanding that even when you're with signed with the label, your label may not give you PR. So it's important that you can find uh these third party companies to go with when it comes to PR. Um uh, Yeah. I, I okay.
1: No, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that's really, it's important to understand that it's like everybody has new music, but like, what is important about yours? What's different about it? And, and the writers on publications are not going to just take a song because they like it. They need to have a story behind it. They need to talk about what does this release mean? What's, you know, there needs to be more content than just the song. Um, So putting that together is what PR does and then pitching it and getting it placed is what, you know, what you're hiring them for. Um, I think that's a, you know, I think you've, you've probably heard it a lot too, Eddie. like, people are like, well, I got to go spend money on PR. I got to spend money on PR. Well, you got to find out what, who you're hiring and where they're going to be pitching and are they going to be better suited than you doing it yourself? And is the money worth spending? Because PR can get expensive. Um, there's different levels. And just because someone is more expensive doesn't mean that they are necessarily better for you in particular. Um, so it's just like everything else. You just gotta make a a smart decision about whomever you're you're going to hire in in this role. You know, if you go to biz three, you know, who's one of the best independent PR companies, are you gonna get, you know, shuffled to the bottom because you can't pay as much as the top artists? Are you gonna get a junior representative there that isn't gonna pitch your music the same way that a senior representative is? So all these things go into play and then I mean from my perspective working with an artist that's just putting out new music it's her fourth song that she's ever put put out I don't think it makes sense to spend money on PR because it's like what what kind of looks is she going to get and are those looks going to result in more people seeing her and more people streaming her music you know I I I don't know I've had a mixed I've had a mixed bag of of um you know, of experiences with, with different PR. So I I would, you know, for her in this particular situation, we're using our collective resources and pitching directly rather than hiring PR. Um, so uh, again, it it just depends on, on what your situation is at. We can get in more granular if there are questions or anything about PR teams and what to expect, but, but that's, that's been my experience.
0: And then also noting, uh, like you said, you have to have that story because you're paying for PR. It's not a lot of these other departments, you can get away with okay, getting a percentage of sales or a percentage of this, percentage of that. When it comes to the PR, you're paying that monthly monthly bill. So yep. if it's yeah. not if it's not turning around new leads or it's not turning around new customers, you may want to rethink putting money behind PR just initially.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of times like my my viewpoint especially with new and developing artists is that it's better to spend the money on playlisting. Um I'd rather spend money on more people listening to music than the off chance that someone sees something in you know on a blog that then turns into a fan. You know, I think there are playlisting opportunities that you can pay for both on streaming platforms and YouTube. That will wind up getting you more fans, more listeners, more revenue than if you get a write up on, you know, even some pretty major publications. Like, I don't know what a write up in Lyrical Lemonade is worth. I really don't. Like, it's, it's when you're, when touring used to be a thing, it was, imp- it was really important, right? Because bookers would look at what kind of press do you have? And if you don't have any press, it's going to be much harder to get booked. Now, right now, like, it's all about streams. How can you get, more streams? How can you get more followers on socials? So that, that's that been our focus. So I've kind of steered away from traditional PR and spent more on, on playlisting.
0: Yeah, and I throw that playlisting under our sales department. So yep. it, it's still up there and it's definitely a key component. And you mentioned touring. You know that I don't have touring up here because my perspective is touring is the culmination of all these things being successful. Yeah. Uh, merchandising, sale, public relations, like you said, you need press to, the bookers are going to look at your press to see what you have out there. They're also going to look at your sales. And then another key component with touring is merchandising. Um, I think a lot of independent artists need to focus in on this revenue stream as well, because there's a great turnaround as far as profit margins with that. Uh, I know from experience, when I had to tour manage some indie groups, we were making more money off our t-shirts and hoodies than we were at the venue. 100 percent
1: yeah i i mean i've seen that i've seen that over and over and it's like you know websites for bands and and artists used to be real important and you know because you'd have all your news up there you would have um images you'd have music you'd have videos and everything like that and now because of socials like nobody really goes to a band's website other than to buy stuff so to me you know our focus like with the cool kids, cool kids are this sort of known brand, but like nobody was going to the cool kids website to watch a video, you know, they'll go to YouTube or they'll just see it on their Twitter, or Instagram feed, but people were coming to their website to buy clothing. So like now if you go to the website for the cool kids, it's just merch, you know, and it, and it's turning more into a lifestyle brand. So I think that's, that's super important. And And once you get to a certain level, yeah, you can make more money. You know, from your merch sales than you can from ticket sales when there used to be ticket sales.
0: Exactly. I don't know when we're going to get back to ticket sales, but fingers crossed we'll be back in 2021, but who knows. Yeah. Um, so when we're looking at these departments and we're saying starting off, it's important for, I think it's super important for the artists to understand all of these and get their hands into it, understand playlist and understand what PR looks like, understand... Merchandising, also this social media aspect, so that when they go out and they hire third party companies, they understand the difference between a good and a bad job. Um, you don't just want to go out and say, I'm going to get PR and not have any idea of what PR is supposed to do for you, because then that can be misleading. And then that's sometimes how communication breaks down. And you feel like someone didn't do their job properly. Well, maybe some of the times it's not, they didn't do their job properly. It wasn't in their job description to do what you were thinking. Yeah. So, um,
1: <laughs> also, just to add to that, PR doesn't get paid based on success. PR gets paid upfront. so whether you're paying you know five hundred bucks a month or five thousand bucks a month, they're getting paid, and that doesn't guarantee you anything. Um I think there are probably some creative agencies out there that'll say, all right, like for every piece of press you, you can pay us, but those are few and far between. So it's an investment you know you're you're paying you're paying with the hope and promise that whatever they end up getting for you is going to further your career. So again, it's just like with anything else, like make sure whoever you're talking to at that PR company understands your vision, what's important, where you want to be seen and see if they really are able to do that with other artists that are similar. Um, Talk to other artists that are on their roster and see what they've done for them.
0: Sure. Indeed. Uh, With all your artists, do they handle... Their social medias, 100%? Um,
1: no. <laughs> um, some do and, and some don't. And I think, you know, when you get to the bigger stage and there's so many requirements of every live performance, every sponsorship event, every everything that uh, the artist is doing comes with social post requirements. And, like, talk about, uh, you know, an artist tuning out is whenever they have to post something that is forced upon them. Right, so there needs to be a project manager. There needs to be somebody that's in charge of the socials for that. Um, you know, when you get to that point, um, for indie artists, I think it, it it depends. I mean, most of the time, yeah, they're handling their own or they're coming up with their own content. Um, but we we have recently hired someone to help with that because it's not like something I know. Um, and you know, I I, I don't want to pretend to understand what the the artist wants out of their socials you know it's very it should be very independent it should be very true to what the artist's brand is and it's really hard to say all right well you need to post a picture of you doing this or you need to post a video of this i think it's more the manager's job to make sure that they're posting regularly make sure there's a schedule make sure there's new information out there and that they're staying in front of people um otherwise it just gets you know stale and boring
0: True indeed. So yeah. So we're differentiating that, that. There's a difference between just that personal content. Hey, this is me cooking eggs. This is me curling my hair, whatever the case might be. And then that project manager aspect, where it's uh, if people understand when you go do a deal with a brand, so say you're doing something for JBL speakers. Mm-hmm. JBL speakers will say, okay, with this money we're giving you, we want three Instagram posts. We want seven stories. The Instagram posts have to be 30 seconds in length. They got to be on these dates. Uh, once every month, we also want two, twi- we want two tweets and a Facebook post. So that'll be the requirement yeah. that's in, in the agreement. And that's where you're saying that project manager comes in to say, okay, let me make sure we put this schedule together because my artist over here who's worrying about creating music and doing other things isn't trying to adhere to this schedule of, okay, at Wednesday at 10 o'clock, I have to post this smiling picture of me holding this JBL speaker. So it's not just them exactly. controlling the social media accounts and just tweeting how they feel every day. It's the project manager overseeing these brand deals and making sure they stay in line with their calendar.
1: Yep. And, and couple that with the fact that you're contractually obligated. So you're getting paid as an artist to do this. If you don't do it, you're in breach of the agreement. And that's like, you know, obviously not a good, not a good look for anybody. Um, So uh, one thing that we try to do in contracts is make sure that the social posts are like, you have the final approval. So there isn't a picture of you smiling with a JBL speaker. You know, it's it looks a little bit more natural and you're using it the way that you want and to fit with your brand. And smart brands understand that. They don't want some cheesy picture that looks like a commercial. They want it integrated within the artist's live feed because they like the artist. They like they they value the artist fan base. Um, so I mean there there are There are rules around it and there are restrictions around it, but you just got to make sure that it's like, you know, approval process is is clear. Um, And then again, yeah, make sure that it actually gets posted on time because if it doesn't, you're not getting paid.
0: True indeed. And uh, we talked about contracts. So a good point on that. When it comes to the content that you're doing with these brands, making sure there is some type of time limit on how long they can use your content. Yep. Um, I've seen deals where they say, oh, we want you just for six months. But then that next paragraph says they own the content in perpetuity so they can go do another ad with your picture, your name and likeness and all that. So understanding how long they can use your content and making sure it's spelled out in that agreement.
1: Yeah. And where it can be used, right? Like what type of media it can be used. So we just did something um, with uh, Mikey from The Cool Kids where he's doing a photo shot, a photo shoot with uh, a brand. They're using it for one particular campaign, and then they they mention this could end up on bus stops, this could end up on billboards, this could end up on you know on TV. Like we didn't know that, you know. So you you gotta you gotta let us know beforehand, and then it gets integrated into the contract. Because I've had that happen as well, where there'll be a photo shoot, they use it on an internet commercial. You know, it can it'll be on a social um, site for a brand, and then all of a sudden there's a billboard you know on michigan avenue that that has that same image and they didn't pay for that so yeah Yeah. making sure that it's all clarified within the contract is important
0: yeah because they use that all technology now known or ever created in the future to just be all encompassing of saying we're going to put this everywhere if you don't right (laughs) you don't stop us (laughs) yeah so when they
1: invent a chip that goes into your head that then occasionally you know every 20 minutes plays ads like you're covered. But if it says that in the contract, if it says all technology known or hereafter uh, devised, like those are those are things that can come back to haunt you.
0: Definitely. Uh, so we touched on most We when we get to marketing. Um, are we hiring third party marketing? Can is marketing something we can do on our own? Or should we, because I, I personally feel like, yeah, we can hire out, but you as artists have to create that story. Now, if you hire somebody to help you flush that story out, it still should start at home. And then you seek out people that are experts in that field to help you craft your story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you consider marketing. Like that's why I said, there's overlap, right? Especially for independent artists. There's Most of the bottom row here, if you haven't seen on, on Eddie's avatars, this chart of of a team that we see you know as as the essential team for a musician in the last row with with marketing sales pr and social media all included there that's typically one person you know it typically falls on the manager or the manager's team to figure all of that out so outside marketing to me that's the same as pr like what are they what's the story that someone's going to tell how are they going to market you and your brand um it depends because other artists have different um they have different revenue streams so if you like again using the cool kids as an example their merch is doing really well and so we're marketing that they had a new song that came out um or it's coming out and we are shifting the marketing to that so people are you know listening to the new music so it, it, it's all internal. I wouldn't even know who to to hire to just do a a quote unquote marketing campaign. Are you thinking it, like, give me an example of what you're thinking, Eddie, in terms of who who would help with marketing
0: outside of PR? I mean, you have I would I would think of a person like uh, Freddie Foot, who works over at like Havas, or Farrell, who works with coachilling, selling people that do these rollouts for brands where they create storyboards or marketing campaigns for different companies and just translating that to an artist because essentially an artist is a brand. So working with somebody like that, that's really good at storytelling to help flesh out what you're trying to get across as an artist is what I'm thinking when I say like a third party marketing company.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like, like those examples of Havas and, you know, those are BBDO, these big um, advertising agencies, they're the ones that are. They're coming up with these brand um, packages and marketing rollouts for their clients, which are big brands, and then sometimes they incorporate musicians into it. Like I think you look at it the same way. From a musician, your team, whoever that is, has to come up with a plan around the release of of new music new video, new merchandise, new concert, whatever it is, it's all sort of rolled into one. I, I I, think that marketing PR and social media for most artists is rolled into one. And sometimes you're going outside to PR and PR is going to try to get your name and your brand out there, which then entails coming up with a marketing plan. Um, and then that kind of dovetails into what the sales plan is. Like, how are you going to get word out? How are you going to announce sales? Like those kind of things It all it's all incorporated. I don't think there's bright lines between any of them.
0: I feel you. So yeah, we use, uh, cause he's Grammy nominated, the Freddie Gibbs album, Alfredo. Yep. So that was Alchemist and Freddie Gibbs together. They use that term Alfredo, the Alfredo sauce, and that was a part of the story. Then that started translating into the merch. It started translating into their social media uh, posts. And then when they're reaching out to the PR, now they have a story behind it. Oh, this is Alchemist and Freddie combined. That's Alfredo. Now we have a story to tell. So they all do play a role together. Um, but I I kind of look at the marketing or just the brand concept as one of the beginning pieces to create the story. And then once we create the story, everything else trickles down from there. So now we know what our merchandise is going to look like because the album title is Alfredo. So we have a storyboard for that. We're, we're pitching our stories now. We know that it's based upon Alchemist and Freddie Gibbs. So we have to start with creating that story and then everything else can start falling in place afterward.
1: Totally. And I mean, I've I've worked with Alchemist before on some things. And I mean, what he he had said that the merch for Alfredo has made him more money than any music (laughs) that he's that he's done. And so, I mean, it just shows you don't necessarily know what is going to work. But having a cohesive story, I mean, it's pretty brilliant branding the way that they did it. And now you see with Alchemist, anything else that he's putting out, it's kind of following the same path. So he'll have merch that goes along with it and a vinyl, you know, that goes along with it. And that's part of the overall marketing plan, sales plan, all of that. So, you know, I mean, I think that, like you said, Eddie, it's, it's starting from the tops, always starts with the music. And from that, how are you going to roll it out to the masses in the, the most effective way?
0: Definitely. I think you touched the key word, cohesive. Um, the stories all have to work together. The team has to work together this this unit has to be cohesive so i think that's a I guess the key word for today is cohesiveness uh-huh.
1: all right i'm sure don will add some <laughs> sound effects to that on the podcast
0: no, no. so has anybody raised their hand uh i'm not a moderator if you make me moderate we can see who's raised their hand before we get into any other topic i just wanted to see if anyone had any I don't questions see
1: any i don't know if i'm a moderator either but i don't uh, see yeah any
0: right you have ahead. the green dot so you're, you're the moderator oh look at that
1: all right yeah nobody's any questions i'm sure whitney and nick are asleep um and (laughs) not sure who else is uh is in here but anyway yeah let's keep it going
0: cool cool so yeah again looking at the avi we have the how to build a team in the music industry chart this chart is not the end-all be-all but is a, a good starting place to help put some structure behind you as an artist starting off your company it's always important to look at yourself as the CEO, as the head of this operation. And from there, all of, and then from there, you build out your team. Um, we touched on artists, development, marketing, sales, merch, marketing, relations. Yeah, so we've we've touched on all six of them. Um, I think we're good to go on ask, but yeah,
1: I think I think, you know, repost this on, on social so people have it and obviously ask, you know, questions if you have anything about you know, any questions about this the team. And I mean every episode we've ever had gets into one aspect of the team. You know, and I also uh-huh. think it's important that like as you sort of elevate your your brand as a musician and your success, your team expands. And when when and if you sign with a label. I think this chart really comes into play because there really are separate divisions. There is a sales team and a sales team at a label is totally different than a sales team when you're an indie. And there is a, there's an internal PR, there is internal marketing and they have, they have roles and they're supposed to all work together. And it's not, you know, I wouldn't say that that's the roadmap for every independent. I don't think that you need to build out every single one of these roles. While you're an independent, I think you can do a lot of it yourself. There are certainly artists out there that do every single role on this, you know, on this chart. Maybe not legal or they shouldn't be doing legal or business management, but pretty much everything else creative to sales, they're they're doing themselves.
0: No, I definitely agree. So yeah, I mean, we put the charts up for the roles and say these are the different roles. But yeah, the artists should at some point in their career understand or have dabbled in handling each one of these departments by themselves. Absolutely. So, how are you feeling about the Grammys? I know you got a couple nods, but...
1: I mean, I didn't. My artist got... Well, your it. artist got... <laughs> it. Well, I mean,
0: yeah, because there's, there's technically no manager of the year. <laughs> no. category, but yeah, if, there, if there was, I would definitely nominate you, Josh. Oh, just thank you, know. you
1: so oh. much, Eddie. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're biased, but... Um, I think, uh, I'm. Mean, she, you know, so we're talking about Doja. She got nominated for three Grammys. Um, I was lucky enough to go... The Grammys last year with other clients who won, um, but they weren't on the, uh, the 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 TV broadcast one because uh, people don't know the Grammys are like it's like uh, the full day event. The first six hours are all of those kind of obscure awards that go to you know best sound editing, you know um, mixing of a you know operatic piece. Like there's just so many different awards, um, and then like the the main entertainment show at night is most of the pop awards and you know record of the year song of the year all that kind of stuff so um yeah i mean the grammys are weird they're controversial um i think there was some snubs this year that make zero sense to me um i'm fortunate um i think uh i think it's deserved but i think we're fortunate that uh, Doja got three nominations, um, but the competition is stiff in each. So um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that the Grammys are going to have a lot to answer to for not giving any nominations to some of the biggest albums and artists of the year.
0: Yeah, we and it's every year around this time people talk about the snubs. It's almost like they're somewhat intentional just to draw more conversation around the Grammys. Like yeah. if If it just went to okay, these are the best five albums that unanimously most people are talking about. There would be no controversy. People wouldn't really be talking about the Grammys. It's now that we have these snubs, we see The Weekends' album's not on there. Everybody's up in the uproar. And it's year after year. It's never a year where we don't have snubs.
1: So it's
0: it's intentional with their behavior.
1: You're you're not going to be able to nominate everybody, right? And and just because an album was commercially successful doesn't mean that it it's going to get nominated and the same goes with movies, right? You know, not every Marvel movie that has, you know, makes $3 billion is going to get nominated for picture of the year, but like for the weekend who's critically acclaimed as one of the top albums ever has been on billboard since it came out. Like you'd think he'd get something (laughs) like you'd think he'd get album of the year or something, but not one nomination. Um, it's just weird it's just, it's kind of a weird choice. Um, and I, you know, there isn't really a rhyme or reason to it. There's a committee. Um, the Grammys have have a selective committee and then it goes to the Grammy members and it's not super hard to become a Grammy member. Um, you have to be nominated by one of your peers and go through some things and pay a little bit of money, I think. And then you become a Grammy member and allows you to vote. Um, but to get nominated it's a it's a small committee i was part of there there's some back-end sort of meet and greet and um kissing the right butts to make sure that you're even considered and the labels are a big part of that making sure that you meet everybody you need to meet um but then it's you know people in a room making a decision um and so there you know there isn't a science to it and you're always going to piss certain people off i just think it's particularly weird people are upset about little baby not being nominated um he had a great yeah album. pop smoke um but the weekend one is the one that just doesn't make
0: sense to me yeah i just wonder who are those people in the room um what they look like what their makeup is i look at rap album of the year um i would love if as i love the five albums that are on there because that's what i personally would listen to but i'm 38 and I know that doesn't encompass all of what rap music is, so it's almost like it's just people like me in that room voting. Maybe there needs to be more, uh, more, more variation. What, more <laughs> variation within there, man. I mean, I don't know because it's like I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's just old white men in a room voting because I don't know what they look like, but I know it needs to be younger. There needs look. to be young, younger blood in there.
1: I was I was on a, a Zoom call with Harvey Mason Jr., who is the, you know, I think he's interim president of the Grammy Society, whatever it's called. Uh, African-American, very successful producer. Um, everybody else that was on that call that is part of the Grammys was a minority. Um, I don't know if they were just doing that because they were talking to Doge. I really don't know what the 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 makeup is, but I know that it's been, it's been stressed, especially over the last couple of years, that they need to be, you know, it needs to look more like who's being nominated. Um, the people making those decisions. So whoever gets nominated, I feel like they are making those moves to to be more inclusive. The people that actually vote once they're the nominations, I have no idea what the the makeup of is of that. And that feels to me like, yeah, it's just a bunch of old white dudes in a room but I I don't really know so I can't really speak intelligently on that one
0: yeah and and then that whole voting process have you seen one of those ballots before I thought voting I thought voting for judges was tough (laughs) elections it's like every song that's ever came out so yeah and now then it gets super regional because you're like okay I'm gonna look out for my LA people if I'm in New York gonna look out for my New York artists so you kind of see that when you even look at When they nominate the five albums, it's typically East Coast, West Coast, Down South, Midwest, and then some uh, wildcat or some 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 wildcard option in there. You know?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I I feel like um, yeah, you 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 all like I said, someone's always going to be left out, and and the decisions are not easy. Um, there do seem to be some real bad snubs this year, more so than in recent memory. Um, but you know, I mean, that's why you get a lot of people saying that the grammys are are horseshit and they shouldn't matter and um all that but i can tell you being on the other side of it and being nominated and having clients that of one feels
0: great doesn't it
1: pretty awesome <laughs> you know it's pretty awesome you feel justified you feel like all the work was worth it it definitely helps the bottom line to those artists if they can capitalize on it um you know sales go up and opportunities open so it it, it is important you know so people say that it's not important um you know, I, I think they're just feeling feeling crappy about not winning. Yeah, I think somebody said um, it's
0: uh it's only rigged until you lose. Like I mean, you <laughs> exactly. never you can never call something rigged until you lose from it. So it's like, yeah, totally. But yeah, just having that Grammy nominated in front of your name like just helps the bottom line. So we got to figure out a way to get Grammy nominated manager of an artist that was Grammy nominated in front of your <laughs> title. I think I think that'll work. I'll let you work on that. All right, cool. I mean, because we got we also have uh, Elton Elton mixed it, who is not up for Grammy, but he's on a he mixed the record for the baby that Bob record, so oh, nice. Elton in Classic Studios, you know.
1: Yeah, and uh, one of our other friends, Dan Rasinski, his artist Corey Wong got nominated for a song in a random category that I'm not going to remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there were some other friends as far as that they got nominated, and it's awesome. And I, and I can tell you the the like I said the the award show that leads up to the the televised award show is is a long affair, and there are a lot of people that work really hard on their craft that get nominated and don't get the shine from you know national TV. Um, so it's it's a it's a big deal for anybody.
0: That's what led to the I think it was in '88 the hip hop boycott in the Grammys because they were they never aired any of the rap awards. Yeah, that main broadcast. So little history fact for you guys. There you yeah. go, little nugget. Yeah, so uh, this year's uh Grammys is probably going to be virtual, I'm assuming, right? I wonder how that's going to play out.
1: I think there's going to be like the AMAs where there's a live, you know, there are artists in a theater performing live, um, but there won't be an audience, um, I imagine, but I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, and then, just a side note, they said that the Gucci versus Jeezy versus had more viewers than the AMAs, I thought that was <laughs> kind of interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was down like fifty percent below its word. Yeah, it, it was not a very uh widely viewed award show.
0: Yes, yeah, so, uh, so that's why I said with these the, the controversy. I see people tuning into the Grammys just so they can have something to talk about and something to hate on. So, yeah, the AMAs totally. kind of stuck to who should have been nominated, and it just played out. Properly, there was no upsets, really. So that really doesn't make the news. When you have controversy, it makes the news. So I think people are really going to check out the Grammys this year. It'll be interesting to see them. Yeah, it will be. All right. Earlier you were talking to me about, uh, Twitch. Yeah. And what's well, going on with Twitch? I you don't, some-
1: you know, I, I don't know, um, everything that's going on. And we have, um, some clients that have been on the platform for, uh, almost two years now, um, before the pandemic. Um started they, they have a late night show mystery school and it's one of the guys from um cool kids and then it's uh Owen Bones, who's a producer and a DJ. And uh they they started this late night show where they play the first half hour of it is Owen DJing and it's just a DJ set and people go on Twitch and they just hang out. And Twitch was started as a platform for people to watch other people play video games and and communicate that way, and it it's grown. And I guess it's the fastest growing social media platform. Amazon owns it. Um, Amazon has um, some odd rules and how they deal with things. And um, as of late during the pandemic, there have been so many musicians that are starting to use Twitch and so many DJs that have been using Twitch because unlike Facebook and Instagram, if you're doing a live DJ set on Twitch, you don't get taken down. Um, There are algorithms and there are security measures on Instagram that if you're doing a a DJ set and you're playing songs that you don't have the rights to, they just knock you off the platform Um, or they have the rights to knock you off the platform. Twitch was allowing that to happen. And as it grew, music publishers and labels were like, What's going on? We're not getting paid because Twitch didn't pay a royalty, they paid performance royalties. So that means that they're paying ASCAP, BMI, CSAC for public performance royalties. But they're not playing, they're not paying licenses. And they're saying our our streams are live, and so it's a live performance. But those streams live on and they get uploaded to YouTube and they live on Twitch for more than 24 hours. And so what Twitch did was tell all of its users stop playing music or just play music from this particular catalog of 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 music, which is not. Mainstream music. So if you're it's a DJ, just, you're it's not like being, some
0: royalty free catalog. I
1: think is, so. You know? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I can't pretend to know what's in there, but like there, it's not the same as being able to play whatever you want. Um, and so there are people that are making a good amount of money off of Twitch as a musician, having DJ sets and having programs, you know, focused around music that can no longer use music. Um, this is not that uncommon for, um, you know, platforms that take off in a big way. TikTok had issues with music and licensing and how they were going to spend it. I mean, we we talked about Peloton in the past where Peloton wasn't paying license fees for their um, exercise classes. It happens more than it should, but it just seems interesting that someone, you know, a company as big as Amazon that controls a, a, a streaming platform has not thought about how to incorporate music and pay out rights holders in the right way
0: that's the most Um, interesting part to me like amazon twitch is with amazon music you have a whole dsp sitting over there that you can figure something out with even if it's just oh you have to dj from amazon the amazon music platform so we can track all the songs that are being streamed off of here like something should be worked out this is one of the only companies that has both the the streaming this live streaming platform and also a whole DSP, like Spotify doesn't have this, Title doesn't have this. So right. I I think once Twitch figures out how they can make this work, do you uh, I might see an overlap into IG picking up something better because I know DJ's really lost out when they could no longer go on IG Live and do DJ sets as well. So we, yeah, we could it's see like a trickle down effect here or something.
1: Something's gonna happen. You know, I mean the publishers will just they'll they'll sue. Um, you know, the unions are on a publishing company. I mean, they're, they're strong, though. They've got a pretty good argument. I don't know, you know, but it, they're fighting against Amazon, which has got more resources than most countries. So I don't know what necessarily is going to happen. What sucks is for all of the musicians that are using it right now, um, and had a following and were depending on that revenue. And now they are being told by that platform, Hey, don't go on here or don't use music. Um, you know, and so there've been people that have been you know that have huge followings on twitch that out of protest, they'll just sit there with no music <laughs> you know and and it's about as boring as you can get and that's just going to lose viewers lose users on Amazon, on on twitch which lowers their revenue so something needs to happen i think what we what we probably should do is in one of these episodes coming up have have owen and and mikey on to, to talk about it because they are they're you know far better experts um, than I am. They've been living it and they, they really have gone from being um, touring musicians and producers to having a late night show that's on five nights a week. So I mean, this is their job now and for them to all of a sudden have to completely rethink and figure out even possibly a new platform. I mean, they were talking about, well, maybe we just go to YouTube uh, and do YouTube live instead. So it's a it's a major issue for the music industry. Is
0: uh, Owen and Mikey on Clubhouse? I don't know. I'm, I gotta send them. A, I got some invites. I'll send send them out.
1: Yeah, they probably don't get up this early though. So,
0: <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, so yeah, before we get out of here, because we know we do like an hour, um, want to ask if we have any questions from the audience. But Josh, did you see? Uh, Dave Chappelle's most recent stand up, like the 18 minute segment he did, where he talked about Comedy Central and his deal. with Yeah, I did. Yep. Uh, I think that was amazing. And shout out yep. to Netflix for honoring that request because it's, they didn't even have to. There was nothing in the contract that stated they had to take it down. Comedy Central did own the license to the Chappelle show. So for Netflix to say, you know what? We actually value our relationship with you more than this licensing deal for this show, we have no problem taking it down. I think that was amazing. So for those that don't know, Dave Chappelle just came out with a, like an 18-minute stand-up where he talked about his relationship with Comedy Central, um, understanding that Comedy Central owns the Chappelle show, that he wasn't even notified that the Chappelle show was going to be licensed to, I think it's on HBO Max, might be on Hulu and Netflix. Um, he receives no royalties from that because Comedy Central owned that content that the term in perpetuity, meaning forever. So they can do what they want with it for as long as they want. Um, they have not paid him any back end royalties for that. So Dave Chappelle reached out to Netflix because he has to deal with Netflix and said, Hey, this doesn't make me feel good. Netflix said, okay, if it doesn't make you feel good, we'll take it down off our site. I think that yep. was pretty commendable on, on their end. Yeah,
1: ab- absolutely. And it's going to lead to just, you know, good press for them. And, um, And yeah, I mean, it's, they didn't have to. (laughs) They definitely didn't have to buy it by the contract.
0: I think it was so refreshing to me because they acted outside of the contract. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, people can actually just do good things and have show good gestures. They don't have to be so black or white and saying, well, no, technically we have a term of such and such. Like, no, this doesn't make the artists feel good. Let's make a change. And I hope, hopefully this type of energy shifts across all entertainment fields, including music, because I would love to see some like, good things happening for the artists in the future. Absolutely.
1: Um, All right. We're getting the, uh, the nod from Don that we've been talking for too long. So um,
0: Don said, wrap it up. So, (laughs) so we should wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, thank you guys for coming to hang out with us in clubhouse um, for this hour. We are the lawyers for musicians. My name is Eddie Sanders. This is Josh Kaplan. The other guy you see up here, Don, Don Julio is an amazing engineer, and he's the one getting our sound right, making sure we sound good. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned in with us. This, this episode that we recorded here will go live on Spotify, Apple and Amazon, all the DSPs for podcasting. So check this episode out if you miss anything and then check out the other episodes that are up. Um, I guess what you're supposed to say like like subscribe, share, and all that good stuff. But uh, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, everyone enjoy your holiday. Make sure you eat properly. Uh, warm tea to help with the digestive, so you can have more plates. There you um, go. Stay distant. Yeah, and stay socially distant. Um, yeah. You got anything else, Josh? No, that's it. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Uh, we will talk to you later later. Peace.